Imelda Keenan was just 22 when she went missing from Waterford. Her glasses were still in her apartment, as was a pile of carefully wrapped Christmas presents under the tree. Two of the many details that, to this day, puzzle her family. She would not leave her apartment without her glasses. Her belongings were there. 30 years on, they're convinced that the young woman is dead. They tried to say that maybe she ran off, but like we know her credit union, she had a couple of savings in the credit union. We know that wasn't touched. Melda liked to be her own independence, but she still liked to be close to family, so we don't believe she's a runaway. Last week, on January the 3rd, on the anniversary of the day she was reported missing, the family held a vigil to remember Melda, but also in the hopes that public attention might jog someone's memory. For decades, the case has been classified as a missing persons case, but the family, as her niece Gina Kerry explains, wanted upgraded to murder. Melda loved her family. She's not alive. If she was alive, she'd tell us. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, the disappearance of Imelda Keenan. Gina, you were just 15 years old when your aunt, Imelda Keenan, disappeared and was never seen again. Can you bring us back to the day that the guards knocked on the door and told you that Imelda was missing? Um, your world and the world of your family must have changed forever in that moment. Um, I was in my granny's house. It was around 11 or half 11. It was just me and my grandmother and um, a knock came to the door. Two guardi were there and they spoke to my granny and I was standing beside her and they said that Imelda was missing. Um, they did say a couple of words, but I didn't really can't remember. But um, I do remember shutting the door and my granny was going to sit down on the chair and she said, Oh my God, Imelda's missing. And I, because I was so young, I just said, look, don't worry, Nanny, she'll turn up. She's probably gone to a party. She goes, no, this is not like Imelda. And you saying she's probably gone to a party because actually there was only seven years between you and your aunt Imelda. She was only 22 when she went missing. You were, you were 15. What are your memories of your time together with Imelda? What kind of person was she? I remember Imelda when we come home from holidays, she'd be living in Manor Lane. Um, she was so ladylike. She loved her appearance. She had long brown hair. Um, she loved her makeup. She loved music. She loved to sing. She was always telling us like about she had a diary and she'd be writing her feelings into a diary and, you know, how important it was. She'd have teddy bears or she, you know, she'd go to the shop and she'd buy us um, like ice lollies and she like treated us like she was our mother you know like when all the adults are there together as a family Melda would sort of look after all the nieces and nephews and she'd be talking about one day when she gets married how we can all be bridesmaid and you know she was just happy and even her school friends said that she was always smiling and just free and innocent because you're from a big family Melda had many siblings that's correct she had eight siblings Melda was the second youngest girl so when they all moved away, Melda wanted to, you know, follow in her brothers and sisters footsteps and set up her own little life. You know, she had dreams. And that's why she was living in Waterford. While she's from Leash, she was living in Waterford at the time of her disappearance. Why was she there? And did she have a big circle of friends? Did she have family? So Jerry went down to Waterford um, and Ned, her brothers, they went down to work for the CIE. So Jerry has got married down there to a Waterford woman and so did Ned. 
Um, so Melda wanted her own independence. She wanted to, to have what her brothers and like we were living in England at the time as well. So she wanted to have her freedom, but she never wanted to be too far away from family. So if she ever needed them, they were sort of there. So she did move down to Jerry um, at a young age. She did go to school there for a little while, but Jerry had a big family himself. So I think she just didn't want that either. So she moved to Cork for a little while um, to her brother, Michael. And then she said, I think she just said, no, Waterford was the place. So she came back and she got her own little uh, flat. And she was studying at the time. Yeah, she started a computer course um, in the college that year, I, as far as I know, in 93. Um, so she was starting to, you know, get herself together and start put herself on the right path. So she clearly got plans for her future. She had commitments. She was part of a very large, close family. Um, so presumably going missing was very out of character for her. Very. It was very unusual because we were a close family. We still are, but we would always meet at Christmas or in January, not at Christmas, in January. We'd always meet in the summer like, and we'd stay for a couple of weeks in when we were living in England, we'd all go to Manor Lane and Mount Melick and Melda be there. All the family would travel down. We'd all meet there. She always kept in contact with her family through letters, um, exchanging photographs. So when the family didn't hear from her over at the Christmas, it was shocking because the family had no animosity with her. You know, she was very close to every one of them. So we were, were shocked that she was gone. So... The last sightings of Imelda were in early January 1994. And at that time, two separate people came forward and they say they saw her on the afternoon of January the 3rd, 1994. Um, can you tell me about each of those sightings? The first sighting was that she, she left the apartment that day. And the second sighting was allegedly a woman that worked in a medical centre said she had to stop the road to let her pass. So they are the two sightings um, on the 3rd of January. Um, now, these sightings don't make sense for your family. You, you've always sort of wondered about them. Yeah, we're, it doesn't sit right with us. Imelda allegedly left her flat to go to the GPO, which was closed as it was a bank holiday Monday. We do believe it was, was a mistaken identity because Melda would never leave the apartment without her flat or without her glasses. And she, they were still left behind. Okay. Now, Imelda's brother, as you say, he also lived in Waterford at the time and he had called to Imelda's flat over the Christmas holidays. Of course, perfectly, perfectly normal. Um, but he received no answer, which is, is, is not so, so normal. Um, but that was very unusual for her not to be in touch over Christmas, surely. Yeah, she, she met um, Ned, like, I think it was three weeks before Christmas and then he went up at the Christmas period. She had pr Christmas presents to give to him for his kids and she had presents there as well. But when he went up twice, the light was on, but there was no answer. And he did sit outside and wait for like an hour and there was no word from her. She did say she was coming up in January. So I don't think he found anything suspicious at that time. He just, I think he just assumed, right, she's with her partner or friends. But it was just when she got reported on January, it was a shock to him. You know, it's it seems an unusual 22-year-old girl, student, living in a flat in Waterford. Like, was it unusual that she didn't return to Leash for the Christmas break? Or, you know, was it perfectly usual that for her to spend her holidays 
in Waterford. Who, who did you think she was due to spend Christmas with? We thought like, see, she sent us all a Christmas card that year. And because we lived in the same house as my nanny, my, my mother and my uncle, we laughed at the fact that Melda sent us all the same Christmas card. It was the exact same. But she did say she'd be up in January to um, put a read on her on her grave, on her father's grave. But I think my granny just assumed like she would be with her partner or maybe a couple of friends, you know. But, um, sure, 22. Yeah. Just having fun. Yeah. Now, when Gardy first began to investigate the case, um, I mean, obviously, the first place they would have gone was Imelda's apartment. So what happened then? Was a thorough examination ever done of the apartment? No, there was nothing done. Um, because of the two alleged sightings on the 3rd of January, the Gardaí didn't treat Imelda's disappearance as suspicious. So her flat was never examined by Gardaí. They didn't do many searches. It was more the family doing it and civil defence. And even, I suppose, when the members of your family would have put to the Gardaí and they would have made the point that, you know, there were Christmas presents under the tree that were unopened. So surely she'd been missing for much longer since before Christmas. Was What was the, the response to that? See, when back then my family, they were only in their 20s, 30s as well. They were very young and um, they, while they were dealing with the emotions and the grief of the loss of Imelda and trying to, you know, the worry and the stress, they were hoping that the Gardaí were doing the, get finding the facts and the evidence of the case. So when the guards were just saying, look, trust us, put trust, you know, they didn't really question the Gardaí, mm. you know, so... But it didn't make sense to them that the presents were under tree. The guards didn't really acknowledge it because they still focused on her being alive on the third. So they didn't really care that there was unopened Christmas presents under the tree. And her reed was there for the fa- her father's grave. Um, her glasses were left behind, but her we couldn't find her diary. That was gone. And what significance do you did you lead into that that her diary was gone? Well, we feel that the diary would say a lot because Melda always wrote her feelings down in diaries. Everything would have been in that how she was feeling, um, who she was with at the time, you know, who, if anything was going wrong, she put all her feelings into into mm. her diary. So the fact that that went missing as well um, speaks red, volumes. Uh, ra- you know? red, red flags yeah, for, for the family. And you've obviously spent a long time, 30 years is a long time, sort of trying to pick apart, trying to remember events, trying to sort of put yourself back there, what, what, what was going on? Um, and you say that you've got a, a memory of Imelda being on crutches or in a neck brace. Um, looking back, what do you think of that? Yeah, when I saw Imelda myself, like, you know, she had crutches and and then another time she had a bandage or a sling, a bandage. And I was like, Imelda, like, what's going on? You know, like, what happened to you? And she's like, oh, I've got brittle bones, you know, I, and she just put it off like that. And I never really questioned it, you know, and I don't think my family did either at the time. And I think they live to regret that now, you know. More after the break. Now, we know the name of Melda Keenan. We specifically know it this week because you and your family have done tremendous work. You have um, you held a very public vigil to try to raise awareness on, on, that was on the 3rd of of January. But it struck me um, that, you know, I can think of 
women missing who went in the 1990s, their names, Jojo Dollard, Fiona Pender, Kira Breen, Fiona Sinnott, Deirdre Jacob, like their names trip off my tongue. I know their whole stories. I'd be able to to tell you the guard investigate. I'd be able to, you know, talk to you for a long time about that. And then it struck me that I wasn't familiar in any way with the Melda Keenan's case. And I don't know why that is. Um, Imelda's case has now been upgraded by the guards from a disappearance to missing. In light of all that, how seriously do you think the guards took the case in the initial stages in 1994? I think they didn't take it seriously at all. You know, they just took down a couple of statements from my family um, the, you know, one or two people who were involved in her life at the time didn't do any search, didn't didn't search the flat, didn't interrogate anybody, just said, trust us, leave it with us. And before we knew it, years passed. And did they at the time put forward any theories as to why, what might have happened? What might have happened to Imelda? Did they, did they suggest anything? Um, they tried to say that maybe she ran off. Uh, but like we know her credit union, she had a couple of savings in the credit union. We know that wasn't touched. Um, Melda would, wouldn't even come to England to visit the family so I doubt she would leave the country with not knowing anybody Melda liked to be her own independence but she still liked to be close to family so we don't believe she's a runaway uh, we don't believe she's alive because she would contact us Gary did allegedly write in a book that Melda was a possible suicide and we don't know how they came up with that conclusion we don't know where, where, that, hap- where that came out either we were pretty shocked to actually read that that was never said to us And did Melda have a passport for example? She had no passport okay. No so she couldn't have gone abroad? No, she wouldn't. Like if she wouldn't come and visit her sisters, she'd just contact us through letters and photographs and wait for us to come to her. Melda wouldn't be that streetwise. She wouldn't know how to do it. Now, because Imelda was considered a missing person, um, the case essentially went cold, officially. <laughs> it wasn't cold in, in, in your family, but it essentially went cold for the best part of three decades. What made you decide to speak out about it in recent years? Last year, my uncle, you know, my uncle gets very stressed out and he's, it's taken its toll on the family. And is this the uncle that went around to the apartment? Is this the uncle no, that was... No, Ned unfortunately passed away without knowing. This is Jerry, and Jerry lives in Waterford and he passes the plaque every day and it's mentally affecting him. And, you know, I said, look, Jerry, why don't we put out everything we have on social media? You know, we put out pictures of where she lived, pictures of people who was in her life at the time that she vanished, um, give out the information of the unopened Christmas presents, her glasses left behind. And I said, instead of doing a door-to-door appeal, we'll do a social media appeal. And it just blew up. But there was a TV programme last year uh, on RTE that highlighted Imelda's disappearance. And following that, uh, a new witness came forward. Um, and you're hopeful that that will lead uh, the Gardaí perhaps to upgrade the case further to a murder investigation? Yeah, not only her statement, but other statements that have also um, come forward and spoke to the Gardaí. These people don't know each other. They don't even know that they've made statements, you know, but they all say the same thing. And we think that this could be our chance. 
to get it upgraded to a murder inquiry. Well, uh, you you say murder. So you feel Imelda's dead. I mean, I was struck this week. There was, we had a picture in the paper of uh, one of those time-lapse things, what what Imelda might look like now. But but you don't you don't support that that kind of look way of looking at it. No, we don't, and we don't. Sit, the third of January doesn't sit with us either. We know Melda did not cross that bridge on the third of January. She didn't. Um, she would not leave her apartment without her glasses. Her belongings were there. If you can find one person that tells me to open Christmas presents in January, I'd be quite shocked because we all might open them before it, or but never. We never wait till January. Um, she had a little cat there as well. She loved the cat. Melda loved her family. She's not alive. If she was alive, she'd tell us. And these sort of images of of what she might look like now, do you feel that that sort of nearly plants in people's minds that actually she's still out there? Yeah, I don't want, I don't like to see them. I don't like to see it pop up um, because it's just distracting people from the real truth. We have to focus on, you know, you know your family and you know what the circumstances leading up to her disappearance doesn't make sense. And we know Melda would not hurt her family. She would not allow her brothers and her mum to go to the grave without knowing where she is. She she loved them. And what do you know about the current status of the police investigation? All I know is it's under review. They're, they're taking um, any people that we bring to the table. They look into it, they speak to them, um, but they don't really elaborate or tell us anymore. They just say that they are looking into it. But because we know of people are reaching out to us, we can sort of monitor it. So if, if someone comes and says, look, I've tried to ring the guards six or seven times, they didn't answer, I'll say to the guards, this woman or man is trying to get through to ye. I can, so we can always keep track. And if they say, look, we spoke to the guards and I'm like, thank you very much. Because once they tell me they have information, I don't really want to communicate with them. I really rather say like, thank you so much, but please talk to Gardy. But they do tell me if they get to talk to them or not. So it's great that we can monitor it and find out if they're doing their job. So you say you're from uh, a, l- a large family. Obviously, if, if there was that many siblings, there's there's now that many cousins. You must have a huge amount of cousins. But are are you the person? Are, are you the person that is really spearheading it in, in the family? Me and my Uncle Jerry are doing it together. Yeah, I feel so passionate about this and I am so tired and drained from the past. What's happened this year, last year, like the things I had to listen to and with the anniversary but I can't give up and I can't let my family down and I just can't let my my granny down. Now Imelda's mum Elizabeth uh, died in 2008 um, really tragically never knowing what happened to her daughter I mean that's so sad what would it mean for the family now um, for Imelda's disappearance to be upgraded to a murder case and for a full and thorough investigation to take place with a fresh set of eyes on it and, and modern techniques and, you know, all that. What would it mean? It means so much to us because Melda was a person. She was a human being. She she was brought into this world and no, no one had the right to take her out of it. She, she had a whole life ahead of her and we feel that she needs to get the justice she deserves and the respect that she deserves. You know, she was she never hurted anyone. She was not a criminal. She was a good, good person with the biggest heart and just so young and innocent and she didn't deserve what happened. And we feel that this is for Melza and for my uncle and my granny that passed away. And we just, 
just want to know what's happened. Gina, thanks very much. That's it for today. Our thanks to Gina Kerry for coming into studio to tell us Imelda's story. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back tomorrow.